0: Press play on the Inside, Inside Sales Show, powered by the Sales IQ Network. My name is Daryl Prale. I'm your host, and you, my friend, well, you and I, we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're going to love what you're going to hear next sit back relax it's going to get real It's another week here on the Inside, Inside Sales Show. How you doing, folks? How's my voice sound? Sounds a little rough, doesn't it? It sounds like I am 14 going through puberty again. It's crazy. Funny story to share. I want to share a story. So my wife and I are thinking about selling our house. The kids have moved out. We're empty nesters. We're officially empty nesters. You know, we've gone through that session where the kids leave and then come back, leave and then come back, leave and then come back. We did it four times in total. And uh, not four kids, but four times where kids would leave and come back, but they're gone. And we're looking at selling. And I'm at a certain age now where before I would do everything around my house, I would fix everything. But I was at a different point in my life when I would do that. And now I work stupid hours. And I, I have a global team and I'm, it seems I, no matter what time it is in my time, I have staff in another time zone who want to ping me. So honestly, I'm at a point where now I'm like, screw it. If I can just pay somebody a reasonable price to come in and do some of my stuff, I will. So we had some repairs that needed to take place on the house. Nothing major, just some trim and, and, and woodworking around, you know, a little fit and finish to make get rid of all the scratches, all the, all the war injuries of when you have young kids that were cute, but then do not make the house sellable to the new buyer. It's all about packaging. You know that, kids. You're in sales. You got to make it look good. You got to make it sound, feel emotional. So we're doing that. And so the fellow came in, wonderful fellow. My wife's a designer, a mature designer, so it's all her contacts. And he was probably, I don't know, 28, 29 years old, did a great job. And we're shooting the breeze about how he got into this stuff. And we're talking about, you know, how he got exposed to it in, in school. And, and then he took shop class, and that eventually became his career. And I was explaining to him how I took shop class, but for different reasons. In fact, I, I was really proud. I, you know, if in certain angles of my video recordings, not in the one today, but you will see a lamp often behind me. And that's a lamp I made when I was in grade 9, 14 years old. So that, my gosh, four. Forty years ago, that lamp is. Oh my, kid, you're making me feel old. There's a lamp behind me that's now 40 years old that I handmade. Wow! But the reason I took shop was not to have a 40 year old lamp. It was. It was rather, and tell me if you can relate to this. So that I had familiarity with the tools. For example, I, and I did it. I took I took machine shop. I took woodworking. I took mechanic. You know how to. You know I don't know what you call it small engine repair, whatever you want to call it, and and. Well, I'm actually quite reasonably respectable at woodworking to this day. I have zero desire to fix my own car. But the beauty is, going back to why, I, I took the course and educated myself. I took the small engine repair course so I understood how an engine worked. I understand how the parts went together. I understood the labor involved. I understand just the whole process starts finish. So now when I go in as a consumer and say, I want you to fix my car. I think this is going on. I can opine on what I think the issue is. I can sound somewhat informed, albeit a consumer level. And when they come back and, and I should qualify that sets the tone a little bit. They're like, Oh, not a total moron, okay, so, you know, there's a relationship, uh, trust factor being established, shall we say, expectations on both sides. And when they come back and explain to me the problem, I understand, and I can say, okay, I get that, can you show me the parts, what about this, is there a knock-on effect, do I need to do other things? And basically, I'm informed. I'm informed, and because I'm informed about small engine repair, I can make smart decisions, economical decisions, about my car maintenance and my car investments and when do I refix it or when do I replace it? In other words, a little bit of knowledge goes a long way, but it can also be dangerous. All right. So that's the caveat. That's the setup for today's show. Now what we're going to talk about today is in the same spirit. All right. So I'm not going to teach you about objection handling. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. not going to happen. I'm not going to teach you about mindset, I'm not going to teach about prospecting. I want to point out that we're not talking about any of that. We're not even talking about the one-up. We're not talking sales t- tips and tricks and skills. No, we're going to do the small engine. You are aware, you are informed of what's going on, so you're a better sales professional. In other words, there may not be anything actionable here today, but what you're going to learn is going to make you smarter and more capable and will actually grow in its impact as you rise through the rank. So for now you'll understand it, but soon enough, you're going to own what we're going to talk about. So what is that? Well, this is kind of like the meat and potatoes of what drives every sales organization. And guess what that is? If you said CRM, you're close. It's the tech stack. Everything you do today, whether it's CRM or conversational intelligence or chat, or oh, what else do we have sales enablement or whatever all the tech stack intent signals etc that's what drives the sales machine that makes you successful or not so you need to know boys and girls What the hell's going on and why it matters to you? What is a right tech stack? What's a bad tech stack? And what are some of the decisions made behind the tech stack? And when is it time to cut bait on certain elements of the tech stack? So who's the expert? Well, love this, kids! Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Go to VanillaSoft.com. I am not talking to somebody in RevOps because, hey, you're in sales, I'm in sales. So, what I needed was a sales rock star that understood the tech stack. And that is where my good friend Steve Ayer comes in. Steve is the director of sales at Chat Funnels. Chat Funnels, all right? I love them. I just check out the website, by the way, chatfunnels.com. Great graphics, great messaging. The marketer in me totally coveting what they're having to say. So, check that out. And as the director of sales, he's here to talk about the tech stack and that many people are using it incorrectly. Steve, my friend, looking ever so epic in this incredible studio you are in. I'm building it and killer lighting. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm glad to see uh,
1: there's somebody else that that took uh, shot class as well and uh, had some fun with it. So
0: you took shot. You know what I did? Total true story. So some of you may not. You want me to tune in now. The following story is going to be a little bit gory. So in machine class, machine shop, right? So mm-hmm. boys and girls, you don't know what machine shop is. That's where you're working with metal. We had lathes, go figure. And we had to make a hammer, all right? So the first thing you got to do is you got to make the handle for the hammer. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be on a metal lathe. And the way it works, kids, is you put the, the piece of metal rod into the lathe. And then you have this little T-chuck you stick into the, the head of the lathe. And you turn the T-chuck. To tighten its clamp on that metal rod, which is what I was doing. Unfortunately, my leg, this was a different era, different time, different safety standards, hit <laughs> the start button while my hand was still on the t-chair square. And these things, kids, travel like, I don't know, the like three, five, 10,000 revolutions per minute. It's like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it took my hand with it and and my finger got whacked against the actual frame of the lathe. And it was literally dangling there by the muscles, and that was it. And the shop teacher had to drive me in his own personal car to the hospital to get it repaired. I have a vicious scar to this day. And you know what I remember out of that, Steve? You know what I remember of the whole experience beyond me being dumbfounded with blood dripping everywhere? That your shop teacher was had. That my mother was annoyed at me that I interrupted her day for her to go to the hospital and check in on me. <laughs> That's parental love for you right there. There you go. I was going to say, did your shop teacher have all his fingers? He did. He was he was he was a little discombobulated, he didn't know what to do with me. He was humming and hawing. He was stuttering. And <laughs> finally it was like, okay, we probably should get me to the hospital. So yeah. But so yeah, I I, I, I you know there's your high school memories. So my I was in a you know castle call for the next, I don't know, month or two, but and it didn't get me any special, any special privileges at all, not even a shot class. So I was I was annoyed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my friend. Talk to me about the tech stack. You were you you have an, you have an opinion on this, brother. Talk I do. To us.
1: I do. I've worked at all, I've l- worked at large companies, some of the biggest in the country. I've worked at small startups. I've worked at things in between, and I've seen some behavior from those companies that is good and bad, and uh, just it needs to be addressed. and I, and, and especially, you know, I, I'm in software sales, and so I, I'm 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 hearing about people's tech stack all the time, and and I've noticed some trends, and so just some things that need to be addressed with regards to to tech stacks. I'm also a tinkerer. I've got two workshops. One is 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 kind of my my woodworking, blacksmithing, welding shop, right? And then I've got my three D printer, laser cutter shop at oh, you home. Have both extremes. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. And I actually, I've got a YouTube channel. And my 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 the partner I do the YouTube videos with has said that I can't buy any more hammers.
0: Okay, but in all fairness, you have to give us a YouTube channel so we can go look it up. Oh what yeah, yeah, it's on, it's, share it's,
1: it. it's it's uh, we haven't done anything for a little while. COVID kind of put something uh, breaks in yeah, that. But Tennessee. it's Salt Lake City. It's like Salt Lake City, but with
0: make. It's Salt Lake City. I love mm-hmm. that. You know, yeah, yeah. A true, true story. Another segue here, kids. Bear with us. My daughter went to college and is an official certified blacksmith. Whoa. But she left the blacksmithing career because she can make more money in high tech. <laughs> so, but she was a blacksmith. Yeah, there's not a lot of money in it. Yes. And she's got the forge and we've got this yep. stunning anvil that's, I don't know, 100 years old and is a big mm-hmm. mother. But uh, yeah, so there we go. There's, we're bonding yeah. here, and I have a I have a woodworking shop, so that's my little. But you you're doing the maker thing and the blacksmithing yeah. thing, so you get so you you have your own little version of a tech stack. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it, it, it's you know as I was looking at all my hammers and justifying why I need all of these <laughs> hammers, right? It occurred to me that just like you pointed out, that is a tech stack in you know in a sense, right? That's my blacksmithing tech stack. You need a ball-peen hammer, you need a cross-peen hammer, you need a two-pound hammer, you need a four-pound hammer, right? You need all these different tools to get the job done. And when you try to use the tools the wrong way or for the wrong purpose, you know, it, it doesn't turn out right. Usually it turns out in some metal blob that doesn't resemble anything like I was trying to make. So what I'm trying to do is help people avoid making some sort of metal blob and and make you know the lamp uh, that's going to last for forty
0: years. So th- that's wow, that's the goal here. All right, so let's get into it. Where do we? Where do you want to start on the conversation?
1: So, so I, the first thing I, I see out there is there's every tool that I'm talking to a, a, and 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 see. Everybody's excited about the analytics and the data. Yeah, it does what you, we think you want it to do. We, it it helps make phone calls, right, or or whatever. It sends out an email, but the analytics. The reporting that you're going to get, that's what you really want to focus on. And, you know, I love the reporting. It's important. You, especially as a sales leader, you need to be looking at reporting all the time. But the focus of the tool should be more on just reporting data. Unless it's something like a domo or a tableau, some sort of business analytics tool, it needs to do more than just spit data back at people. One, one big one that I see a lot is intent data. Right, you put it on your website, and it's going to go ahead, and it's going to tell you who's looking around for you, and who's who's poking around for your type of of solution, and then stop. That's it. For me, that's like a thermostat in your house that is it is that is showing the temperature and saying, "Hey, just so you know, it's getting really cold in here. You probably should turn up the heat." You're like, (laughs) "I don't want you to turn. I don't want you to tell me to turn up the heat. Turn up the heat." Right? Take an action. Make it motivational. So it's got to do more than reporting. Right? Because that, 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 I mean, in the AI world, they call that a no-lift AI. Great. It, you're, you're telling me all this information. Now let's do something about it. It needs to be actionable.
0: And I want to stop there for a second because actually that's one of the areas I see a lot of people, not just sales folks, but sales folks are part of this group, fall down. Where they get the numbers, they get the data, they get the reports, and they don't know what to do with it is this 100%. good? Is this bad? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Maybe I need more data. I need to see a trend. maybe I'm trending in the right direction or not. So I'll wait three months, six months, a year. I don't know. What's the right trend. Okay. Now that was bad. We're rather, you know, use the tech as a tool, make it mm-hmm. actionable, right? So in other yes. words, you can use those signals to say based on best practices or based on the sample data set we have from you or based on the stated goals you want to achieve. This is our recommendations. One of the pieces of tech I, I've seen, I've seen a number of pieces of tech do this. I'll use an example and I, I should say, no examples I may use. And Steve, please use chat funnels or anybody else you want to use as, as examples. Yeah. Cause right now we're just having a conversation. We all work for Gong did a good job on this where you know, clearly their whole, where they began was conversational intelligence, but they began to take the, the insights, the reporting of those recordings And then they actioned it to the sales leadership to say, Hey, nobody has in the recording, it said, here are our next steps, but nobody's called them in three weeks, you really should do something. So that was an actionable or created to dos for the rep that was actionable. So it it knew the reports, but it made next steps, which made the tool far more sticky and compelling. And what happened was instead of the ops people picking the tool, then all of a sudden they had more stakeholders advocating for the tool, the sales leaders.
1: And a so good that's sales rep. Thing to
0: think about. And a good yes. a good sales rep would love the reminder themselves, right?
1: It's not just yes. about the management, but it's the it's the guys and one yeah, of the things you know I mentioned the intent data, and I, I think that's one of the things that you know I love about what we're doing, is you know if if you know part of what we do is with intent data, we're, we're looking at it and does a company that's poking on and around on your website does it meet your ICP? But we're not just handing the report to the rep, because I found two things happen, especially with intent data, is one. The rep doesn't know how to act on it because they've are they never been trained on that. Or two, if they try to act on it, they act on it too late. So part of what we do is we kick off with that intent data. We kick off an email right off the bat from the rep. You know, someone from your ideal customers hitting your website. Great. We're going to send an email from your rep's inbox from them automatically to the buying committee. And it makes it totally actionable. And so your tech stack has to be actionable.
0: So. So that's huge for, for you as a Mm -hmm. sales rep, you can be having conversations with your sales ops people or your revenue ops people, or even your, your VP or director of sales who maybe is influencing the choices in the tech stack around that. It's not enough just to have tech. The tech has got to help you do your job. And it's funny you mentioned the ICP element, because I'll be honest. When I was scrolling through the chat website in preparation for this, show, one of the things that jumped off the page with me was prioritize traffic by ideal customer profile. And why, why that was interesting to me was because I do get those reports saying, well, you know, this person's in this industry or this company size as they come in and that's great. And that's interesting. And we shared along with the cus with our, our sales rep, here you go. This person was on the site. All right. But we don't necessarily prioritize. And the fact that you did that for me as a person who's who owns revenue in the pursuit mm-hmm. of it, all of a sudden I'm like, holy smokes, you're helping my reps be more responsive because I know the faster they respond to that lead that's that's fitting their ICP, the more likely they are to engage and have a successful outcome, as opposed to that lead getting buried amongst all the other visitors who may not be in the ICP. That's a a value add. So that makes the rep more successful. That makes the company more successful. That's a good use case. I like that. So that's what we should do, but we Mm -hmm. don't, right? A lot of people just buy Yeah, okay. So reps, do you have tech today that's not giving you anything actionable. gives you reports, maybe a dashboard, but you're not actioning it. That's an opportunity for your life to get better. Talk to your sales leadership, talk to your ops people.
1: I, I think the next thing I want to look at, going back to the hammer example that we we're talking about, is hammers are really awesome tools. I had a, a hammer made for me for, for blacksmithing. It's a three pound hammer. I engraved the handle. it's beautiful. It, it helps me move metal around on the anvil beautifully. I love it. however, I caught my son one time hitting a nail with it. Oh, no. And I wanted to wring his neck. Yes. Because it's not a hammer for that. In addition, if someone was trying to replace a light bulb and they use that three-pound hammer, they're probably doing it wrong, right? (laughs) Well, not probably. They're absolutely doing it wrong, right? (laughs) They're doing it wrong. I'd like to see the light bulb that you need a hammer to install.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so your point here is, I mean, I think of the classic cliche, you know, when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That's kind of the, the, the cliche that comes to mind. But your point, I think you're saying here is you need to have the right tool for the task for the at right hand. Exactly. 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 So can so, you give me an example of that one? If, if I'm a sales rep, what would be a good example of maybe where I'm using the wrong tool or I should be using a different tool.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's use the, the ever-present Excel OK. Right. Excel is great at spreadsheets. It's great, at, great at pivot tables. It's great at creating graphs. Right. You know, it's not great at keeping track of contacts. You know, just just a, a real basic example. People use Excel spreadsheets to 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 put in uh, their contacts and phone numbers and when they're going to reach out to you next. You know, what does that better. A CRM that's made for that very tool, you know, just as as a very basic example, you know, other tools that they've got, you know, distributing leads, you know, and you know, I worked at a company where they're convinced the best way to distribute leads to the sales team was through, again, an Excel spreadsheet. Well, there are tools that either A, do that, or B, it's part of what they do, right? Find out what the tool does, and use it for that purpose, but shoehorning it in to something it's not intended to, it never works well. And and I, I've seen that, you know, as, as, as I've sold software over the years, people buying our solutions, not, not here. I haven't seen it here at Chaffinels yet, but at, at other places where they, they buy our solution and they try to make it a little bit different for what they need to do. And I, I, I rarely see that. And a tool's got a purpose and use it for that purpose and, and,
0: and, it, and it'll work well. It's funny you use that example. So I'll give you a different example, same premise. The other day I was on a LinkedIn Live. I was doing it with Michael Padone. If you guys missed the LinkedIn Live, just go to my profile and my activity and my post. It was a great LinkedIn Live. It's one hour long. But we built a sequence live. So myself, Michael Padone, and one of my sales reps. And we just sat there and we said, okay, here's our ICP. Here's the persona. We're going to do email, phone, social, whatever. Let's just, you know, let's go build the scripts. Let's build everything. So we did it. But when we're getting ready to, you know, doing this in the early first few minutes of it, and and Michael's trying to do this whole, like, well, how many dials a day can you do? And, you know, how many contacts? And he's trying to, what he's trying to do is trying to figure out what was the rep's capacity to do outreach Mm -hmm. based on interacting with the CRM. Because then you got to make tasks and everything, follow-up tasks and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Michael, 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 Michael. Just, I said, let me, let me, let me correct an assumption here he said, this won't be done in the CRM. We'll be using a sales engagement platform that will automatically be feeding this next contact to the rep. And it will know, oh, it's, this contact is next up. This is touch number four. This is what you should be doing. This, now, this is the next one for the next contact. Touch number two. This is what you should be doing. And I said, so you don't worry about that. I said, the tool mm-hmm. will control the flow and the sequencing and the timing. It's all like the rep just has to do their thing. And he's like, oh. Okay, good example of using the right tool for the job. But your spreadsheet example, it's actually much more profound. So take away for the reps listening to this, if you're using tools today that are maybe a hammer, because that's all you got, you may want to look at if there's other tools out there who can help you be more efficient, more effective. (laughs) I'm laughing, folks. We're listening to the audio version. Steve's holding up a pair of uh, needle-nose pliers instead of a hammer, suggesting that there's... Other tools out there that you could be using that will help you be more successful doing what you should be doing. So exactly. there you go. All right. Next takeaway on this conversation. Yeah.
1: So your tool, your tech stack should be, it should be motivational in nature. And I don't mean uh, rah, rah, get everybody excited, pump everybody up. It should set off motion from the sales rep. They should act on it and it should set them in the right direction. So, you know, I, I, I look at, you know, a, a lot of tools out there are, are used as the stick. Let's bludgeon the sales rep over the head about how much they're, they're, they they're suck. And, and that does nothing for anybody, right? I, I think you do need to have those red alerts that say, hey, listen, this rep's in trouble. We need to coach them. But really what these tools need to do is be putting the reps Putting you guys as reps on the right path to close deals, and if it's if it's not doing that, why are we using it? What are you doing with it, right? Is it just to avoid getting hit over the head with the with the club at, at QBR time or at the pipeline meetings, right? I, I see too many tools out there that are are literally designed just to keep somebody off your back,
0: and and they're and 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 that's how the sales rep sees them, so that's how they use them. It's so funny you say that uh, because it's true. Right. We, I mean, I think the biggest cause of people leaving the profession is there's they're, they're just, how to describe this, they're run down They're They're so beaten down that they're like, mm-hmm. this is just not for me. I had a, a couple episodes ago, folks, we had the episode with David Delaney. If you recall, that was a shorter podcast. It was rapid fire. David was late. We were on a timeline, but that was the big conversation it was about mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. And mindset. If you're finding you're struggling with your mindset, Maybe, uh, you're, you're having a hard time staying motivated as an example, or doing the activity. It could be because the tools are doing exactly what Steve's talking about, which is they're physically beating you as opposed to motivating you. So can you give us an example of when you talk about that, what comes to mind would be a good example of uh, a motivational element in, in my tech stack? Uh,
1: yeah, um, Oh, well, one I know and love very well. Well, when I used to work at Inside Sales, for example, it would it was prescribing, and that's what outreach and a lot of these tools, these enablement tools do. They prescribe to the rep, hey, this is the person you want to call right next, right now. Get on the phone, call this person, right? It was giving a motivation to the sales rep. It was getting them to act. At chat funnels. hey, listen, this target account that you're trying to go after, they're on your site right now. They might not be filling out a form. They might not be raising their hand. But someone from that company is poking around on your site right now. You need to know about it. Get engaged. So that's a couple of ways. I've seen tools out there that are, you want to get up and to the right. They have this quadrant on this one tool. I'm not going to name them. But you want to get up and to the right. And if you were not up and to the right and if you're down and to the left, it you was, suck. you. yeah. And that was the yeah. discussion that your manager had with you. And that's the whole point of the tool. So what did you not ever want to look at? That particular tool yep. versus, hey, I want to get into sales loft or I want to get into gong. And how am I working better? I want to get into chat funnels. Who's hitting my website? Who's hitting the website that I can engage with right now of my target accounts. And, and so get them working in the right direction rather than flogging them.
0: No flogging. And that kind of comes, that kind of comes back to your, your first point where tools should be actionable, right? So they're on my website. Mm-hmm. Hey, your ICP is on your website right now. And oh, by the way, their intent scores through the roof, they've done a whole bunch of things. You might want to do something. Just throwing it out there. Here's a notification. Do your thing, right? All of a sudden, it's actionable and mm-hmm. it's it's motivating me because now I'm now it's the hunt, now it's the pursuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my person. You know, they've they, they I'm all over this one as opposed to them saying, well, you know, we had 42 web visitors in the last hour and we don't know what to do with. Yeah, this. at the end of the week, here's the
1: report of. But
0: like even
1: beyond that, what if it takes it from, hey, here are these your ICP was on the website, and we've gone out and we've pulled in the names and titles and email addresses of your buying committee at the ICP company. And we've sent out the email on your behalf. Oh, and we've put into a sales cadence within a sales loft in, in, in CRM. So now you're calling out
0: automatically. That is motivational. That's motivational. All right. Last one. I love this last one. This is, he's going to use a term here, folks, that I haven't heard in a while, but if you've been around (laughs) the block a time or two, you know, this term and, it won't make any sense to you in this cloud-based world <laughs> we live in now. All right? right? But I think you'll still get it. So go for it. It comes from,
1: from the days when I was a kid and I would go buy a computer game and I had to go to the computer store and I bought a box and I took the floppy disks out and I put it into my computer, right? If you don't follow those three things, the three things we talked about before, especially in sales, the software will get forgotten and it becomes shelfware which means it's it, all it's doing is sitting on a shelf somewhere yep. right now it doesn't you know that, that doesn't make much sense but that's the idea is the software just won't get used if it's not motivational if it's not doing the job it was intended to do and if it's not ju- if it's just reporting data it's it's going to get forgotten
0: and here's the thing it'll get forgotten but the expense is still there on the bottom mm-hmm. line for the organization which means they have no more money to invest in you in other areas because they invest in that piece of software, that piece of tech, that's sitting on a shelf. So what's the takeaway here for your reps? If you've got something that you suspect may has the capacity to become shelfware, you want to communicate with your ops people or your sales leadership before the investment is made so that the money's not poorly spent and you can then use those funds for other wiser tech investments. Can, can I add one thing to that real quick?
1: Yeah, please one do. Thing, one thing I want to add to that is also, listen, as a sales rep, you know, I, I'm buying tech for my team all the time. I I The best folks I have that are finding the right tech for us to use are the sales reps, right? They know yeah. what they're doing. They know their motion. They know, and and they see what's out there. And sometimes they're looking, they have a problem they're trying to solve for. So if you're a sales rep, and you've got a problem. Don't just go with the problem to your, to your leadership and say, hey, listen, this is the problem. By the way, this is what's going to fix it. Let's do, let's take a look at it. So go with the solution as well.
0: So with that all said, let me, let me, be, the, let me be the C-level officer mm-hmm. for a moment, talking to all my sales crew here. The, one of the, the biggest line items I have in my budget beyond the people cost, it has become the tech cost. because mm-hmm. Everything is a subscription these days. And it's out of control. And it was funny because at the last company I was just at, we just spent the last six months saying it's out of control. We got to cut this back. Holy smokes. This is, this is outrageous. I changed, you know, employers, as you all know, I'm at the next company. What's the first thing we're doing. It's out of control. We got to cut it back. So this is my way Mm -hmm. of saying to you as a sales professional, you know, the management's budget for these investments is finite. If you find in what I see reps doing is they see a lot of shiny you know, pieces of tech and think that's going to make my life better. Okay. And it's amazing. It's tech A today, tech B tomorrow and tech C the day after. And they don't understand why you're not making this investment because it's going to make everything better. Mm -hmm. End of the day, you need to understand that the pot of money is finite. So you can't just go recommend every single piece of tech to your boss, but you do need to look at exactly what Steve's talked about here. All right. Is the data the reporting coming out of that piece of tech, is it gonna be actionable and help you do your job? Is it gonna solve a specific problem that you need addressed? In other words, it's not a hammer, it's a a specialty tool because you have a specific problem. Is it gonna motivate you or your colleagues to sell more? And is there a risk of it sitting on the shelf and doesn't get adopted? And if so, how can you mitigate that before it happens? Here's what I want you reps to understand. You have a voice in this process. The ops team has never sold nine times out of 10. So they need your expertise. They'll implement it. They'll answer to you, but you need to express your requirements. I would go as far, and I do this now, when I looked for my next job, I make an assessment of their tech stack, a criteria, before I accept the job so I know if I can be successful. Mm-hmm. All right? And then I need to know what their investment plan is. I need to know if they have an ops team or ops people dedicated to supporting me in my endeavors because my time is better spent selling than it is nursing a CRM system to get every piece of data entry in there. All right, Or trying to pull out actionable reports instead of the system just telling me Cause it's got great AI or, or what have you. So this is why this matters. This is shop class. This is small engine repair. You don't need to be the tech expert, but you need to be savvy because you have a vested interest because just like me, if I didn't have that knowledge, my car repair bills could be a lot higher cause they're going to scam me. But because I have the knowledge, I'm informed and I'm educated. It's the same thing for you reps. It directly affects your success and your take-home pay and your commission. So you need to invest in a little bit of knowledge. And by the way, a few of you will like it so much, you'll change career paths and go off in that direction. And that's pretty cool, too. So, Steve, quick and dirty, chat funnels. What is it? Why do I care? You've already teased us a little bit about it. Since we're talking tech, it only makes sense that we wrap up with a little bit of plug for chat funnels because you've given us your time. Yeah, so we plug onto your website.
1: Uh, We're going to do a reverse IP lookup on everybody that's, that's lurking around, whether or not they engage with the chat bot or not. That's part of what we do as well. And like I said, we're looking at, we analyze your ICP and say, hey, listen, your ICP customers are on your site right now. And so we alert the rep. We'll send out an email on behalf of the rep. We will put them into a campaign on behalf of the rep. And then we'll also go out and get the contact information for your buying committee and give it to the rep so they can act on it. And then, you know, they start coming around at the site. That bot is going to just be gathering more information we, you know, we, on our site, we use it for registration. You engage with our chat bot and that's just more information. It's going right back into the CRM. So it just, it, it's constantly refining that data and allowing your sales reps to engage with those, those people who might not fill out a form. You know, they might not ask for the demo, but
0: we're going to see who's on there and who you want to talk to. So folks, there you have it. Nothing at all like what you thought you were going to walk in today, was it? Well, don't worry. Our next episode, we get right back at it and talk about the hardcore skills you need to rock. Today was a little bit more soft, a little bit more making you a wiser, better, more seasoned, wily sales professional, wily. How many times have you used that word today? Come on. You're going to use it once now, wily. You look it up. It's a great word. With that, that is my good friend, Steve Error. He's got a kick-ass YouTube channel, Salt Make City, if I got that right. Exactly. Look at that. Check it out. He hasn't posted in a bit, but he'll be back. he no, He's a creator and a craftsman. He's also the director of sales at Chat Funnels. You can find him on LinkedIn, Stephen Air. The one thing about his last name, there's an error in how you spell his last name. It's E-R-O-R. Yep. All right. So it's not quite a mistake. Maybe it's intentional. I don't know. But there you go. I don't know. I don't know how. That's I, I, all I got for jokes on your last name, Stephen. hope let, you don't mind. I'm sure you... It, it could be worse. My cousin's a doctor. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Dr. Ayer. <Hare. laughs> yeah oh uh, folks yeah i can't top that with that we're done we're out of here i'll see you next week right here on the inside inside sales show take care folks talk to you soon bye-bye